Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Tuesday, March 22nd, 2016. Craziness continues. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We actually take the time to, you know, open up the Bible. Yeah, apparently there's a lot of people who, well, they're too busy for that, and oh, you don't want to do too much of that because you'll end up driving people away or some kind of nonsense like that. And uh, over and again, what we demonstrate here at Fighting for the Faith is what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose um, curriculum we need to be reading instead of the Bible in our small group Bible studies. Uh, over and again, we show that uh, what they're teaching and preaching, uh, well, and making, and well, preaching and teaching for shameful gain, that would be money, um, it doesn't actually square with what God's Word says. And I know that that's quite the claim. And uh, you may not believe me right now. You may be saying, you are such an... Uh, arrogant and, and just terrible person. Yeah, I, I know. Um, I always recommend that you never listen to Fighting for the Faith with an open mind. Nope, don't, don't need that. All I ask is you listen with an open Bible. It's just kind of that simple. And uh, when you listen with an open Bible and you do the comparative work yourself, kind of follow along, mm, yeah, it's going to end up messing with you. In a good way. That's kind of the best way I can put it. Let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We are going to head into kind of the bazaar today. Uh, we're going to begin with kind of an extended um, Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. And uh, we've uh, done Prophecy Open Mic here, but apparently something happened over at Glory of Zion. And... Uh, and so we're going to be doing an open mic segment today f with what sounds like an imprecatory prophecy. <laughs> Apparently somebody went through the line there at Glory of Zion and uh, shook Chuck Pierce's hand and said something to that to him. 
Maybe that he wasn't an apostle. Maybe that he's a false prophet. Maybe that he's not actually hearing from the Holy Spirit. But whatever this person said, it elicited a, a response, you know, from the Holy Spirit, apparently. And uh, one of the uh, the regular um, prophecy open mic guys got up and gave an almost four minute long imprecatory prophecy. That's the best way I could put it. So we're we're gonna listen in to that. Um, I don't have a segment for this next thing, so I'll just kind of talk about it here. Um, the uh, next Shmita book has uh, been announced from Charisma House. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, the Charisma Magazine um, <laughs> has announced that they are publishing another Shmita book called The Shmita Continues, but the Shmita ended back in September, so how can it continue? So it's <laughs> kind of my question. But uh, so, yeah, there's there's a lot more Shmita out there, and um, yeah, we're. <laughs> Is like the gift that keeps on giving. Anyway, you know, you're thinking, are there not antibiotics or some kind of penicillin shot that the body of Christ can take to clear up this Shemitah problem? Anyway, uh, so that's all I need to say about it at the moment. I'm sure as uh, he starts to make the rounds promoting his latest Shemitah book, even though the Shemitah ended in September, um, I'm sure we'll have more updates on that. Uh, after our uh, Glory of Zion imprecatory prophecy segment, we're going to head over to K- uh, Kim Clement's um, uh, center. Kim Clement, the, the self-proclaimed prophet, um, is apparently uh, suffering from brain cancer, and uh, I'm not sure where he is on the, um, you know, in his regarding his treatment, you know, and what his prognosis is. Have no clue, but I do know this. That uh, Patricia King recently appeared at uh, Kim Clement's um, Prophecy Center and delivered a message. And boy, did she say some weird things. Let me just put it this way. Um, She's claiming that, and you're going to hear it, that somebody um, who may not be physically healed, but they're spiritually healed. So um, have you ever heard of a person who has no ears at all? Uh, you know, they were born with some kind of, uh, you know, of a birth defect and they have no ears at all. But if they've been healed in the spirit, they're able to hear. And, um, you know, which then kind of begs the question, what about amputees? You know, somebody, you know, maybe a army ranger who had his legs blown off in Afghanistan. You know, if he's healed in the spirit, but not physically, what would the implications be for that? Well, Patricia King's going to discuss that in the, <laughs> this segment and i i will have to play our um standard warning before we get to that portion of it <laughs> i'm cracking up just thinking about it it's just bizarre um then we'll uh, you know we'll stay under the prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate uh, umbrella and we'll listen to a recent interview uh, um, uh, of jennifer leclaire of charisma magazine on the TBN Salsa channel, TBN Salsa, and yeah, there's some crazy things going on there. And then we'll do a money-grubbing televangelist update. We'll listen to uh, Dr. Bill Winston um, giving a message called Possessing Your Mountain. Have you taken time to possess your mountain yet? Well, you know, you might want to get to it. This uh, sounds eerily NAR. In fact, it really is NAR. And then in hour number two, we're going to head down to Hillsong in uh, Sydney, Australia, as we listen to Lisa Bevere um, preaching a sermon at Hillsong titled, How Gritty Are You? Yeah, you know, I I think of like sandpaper and stuff like that. Usually there's a grit scale, you know, that you can, you know, figure out how gritty a 
piece of sandpaper is. So apparently we as Christians, we need to be gritty, and, uh, and, and maybe it's a bad thing if we're not gritty. Of course, I just, where is she finding this from the Bible? have no idea, but we'll, we'll listen into her um, message down there at Hillsong, and that will comprise today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable, and since we're going to begin with a prophecy open mic segment, that requires us to do this. Chief, mate, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. The Pinky, the Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. Before each night is done, their plan will be unfurled by the dawning of the sun. They'll take over the world. The pinky and the brain, yes, pinky and the brain. Their twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overthrow the earth. The pinky, the pinky and the brain, 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 brain. brain. That's right, our new Apostolic Reformation update music. We're going to be listening now. We're heading over to Glory of Zion, and apparently somebody has said a nary word to uh, the Apostle Chuck Pierce, which has evoked this quick backlash by the so-called Holy Spirit that they believe in there at uh, Glory of Zion. And this is what we would consider an imprecatory open mic segment. Here we go. Everybody lift your hands. Today, when that person walked through and said to Chuck what was said to him, listen to me. This is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, at the point that my future is fixing to be brought forth individually and corporately, the enemy rises up to release a word that will birth doubt and unbelief, but I come with the word that brings forth a hope and a plan and a future with no harm. Lift up your hands. This is what we're doing. Uh, So the Holy Spirit's response to the person who said the nary word to Chuck Pierce is gobbledygook something not even lucid got it right well that 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 the holy spirit is really showing that person you know the lord would say to you this day you have pressed you have pressed and you have pressed one more time and as you stand before so i've pressed Three times, or was that four? I pressed, you have pressed, you, you, three times. Yeah, I, okay, so I pressed three times, got it. The open window of your God, the enemy would stand there to trip you up. But am I not Alpha and Omega? Am I not the beginning and the end? And when I come forth at the end of the season, I bring forth completion, not chaos. Um, really? So, 
God brings forth completion, but not chaos. But everything that goes on there at Glory of Zion is nothing but chaos. And today is the day the assignment that was sent this morning. So because the enemy's been exposed there at Glory of Zion, that's it. The devil has to return seven times what he's stolen. Wow. Yeah, that was silly of the devil to attack you guys like that. I mean, such a steep price to pay, you know. Now I want you to place your hand on the one beside you. Here's the deal. Listen to me. I've watched it all morning. The subtleties of the enemy want to bring up a tripping at the threshold of release. Uh, <laughs> the, the subtleties of the enemy want to bring up a tripping at the threshold of release. Yeah, I, I got nothing on that. What is that? Not today. Okay. No, not today. No, no, not today. Say not today. Not, 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 not today. Not today. No, no, it's not. To, I don't even know what you're talking about. For truly tomorrow, the booty will come to my house. <laughs> Oh, that could be misconstrued. Yeah, tweet that one out. Truly tomorrow the booty will come to my house. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, there there you go. I mean, oh, man. <laughs> I better continue or we're going to head in a very bad direction. The treasure will be poured over me. The keyboardist reminds me of like, you know, when you go to a baseball game, you know, they, 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 dun, 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 you know, to get the crowd worked up. The, literally, the keyboardist is helping this guy get the crowd worked up. You know, they, we got to shore up. We've been attacked. Somebody said something bad about Chuck Pierce to his face. Therefore, we, we've got to, we, we got to stand by. This is a big dramatic moment. And... <laughs> And something about booty showing up at your house. It's just bizarre. I am the Omega. I am the Word. And when I go forth, you are healed. Give the Lord a praise. Give him a shout of victory. And look and see that the underneath your feet yeah 
the enemy is under my feet. Got it. So, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, may we go out in joy. May we be led forth in peace. May the mountains and the hills break forth before us. And all the trees of the field clap their hand. And all of his saints said, Amen. Yeah, there you go. So that's what I think uh, I think we may be able to describe that as an imprecatory open mic prophecy uh, in order to, you know, basically, you know, everybody's prophetic bubble was popped when somebody said something probably very truthful to uh, Chuck Pierce to his face there at Glory of Zion. But uh, the, the their Holy Spirit, although it's not the Holy Spirit, was swift to come in with a nonsensical, bizarre message that, you know, to help everybody leave joyfully rather than having their prophetic bubble burst. Wow. Yeah, that was, yeah, truly crazy. Moving along. Time for a Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. Down at an English fair, one evening I was there. When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts There they are standing in a row Big one, small one, some as big as your head Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the showman said I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts Every ball you throw will make me rich there stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Roly bowl a ball, roly bowl a ball, singing roly bowl a ball, a penny a pitch. Yeah, that's right, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Now, as I've told you, I'm going to have to play our standard warning because what it is you're about to hear Patricia King say is so bizarre that um, if I didn't warn you, I would be derelict of my duty here at Fighting for the Faith. And uh, these warnings, although they are somewhat humorous, they're to inform you that what it is that you're about to hear could cause you to drive off a cliff, careen off the road. If you're at the gym lifting weights, you could end up like dropping, you know, uh, the barbells and uh, and hurting yourself. So you have to be careful when listening to these types of segments. So let me play our standard warning, and then we will get into it. Like I said, this has something to do with um, spiritual healing. And, um, yeah, here's our warning. Warning. Fighting for the faith can be dangerous to your health. Listening with caution is strongly urged while doing any of the following activities. Operating heavy, deadly equipment, playing Farmville, or any time-wasting, brain-numbing activity. For sudden awakening at the sound of a particularly stupid isogetical statement could cause neck strain. Drinking liquids, drinking hot liquids, having liquids too nearby, not having any liquids nearby. The following medical conditions have been known to occur while listening to Fighting for the Faith. Cranial keyboard embedment syndrome, sinu-nasal liquid spewment disorder, steering wheel pounding clenched fist strain, continual gaping dry mouth atosis, and frustrative disbelief brain explosion. Please take proper precautions. Drinking straws, padding, and duct tape are recommended. Yes, they are. All right, so here's Patricia King preaching at Kim Clements' uh, facility, and I think it's a studio, but uh, 
Here we go. Anyways, um, I came with a word of encouragement for you today. And I just sense that there needs to be some encouragement. There's so many swirls in the spirit. And maybe many of you... Swirls in the spirit. Never heard of that before. I've felt that, especially like last year, coming into this year, uh, feeling weight in the spirit, pressures against your soul. And uh, as weight in the spirit, yeah, okay. We were praying into this in the beginning of the year. Um, God started giving us encouragement and hope and, 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 and word of promise for the people of God. But on... January the 31st at 5.55 a.m., I had an encounter with the Lord, and it was about revival. He took me into a place in the heavenlies, and I actually saw a room called Revival. And there was people in the corridor that had different keys. There was the key of hope. There was the key of desperation. There was the key of expectation. Um, But the word of the Lord through an angel at that time said, those keys are are good keys, but they won't get you into that room. And the key that will get you into the place called revival is faith-filled prayer. And there, there is... So apparently she's going on tour to kind of prepare everybody for the revival that is apparently coming. There is so much benefit in being hopeful and, and being expectant. All those things are really good. But when you're in faith, you take that word that God gives and it is a, a word that is true, it's eternal, and it becomes an internal reality in you. It's immovable, unshakable, and you know that you know that it will come to pass. And he's saying, hold on to this promise. Now, revival, when we're talking about revival, we're talking about that which comes back to life, that which is replenished and rejuvenated and life-giving. And so some of you that are watching this program right now, you're feeling that. You're saying, wow, you're, you're calling my number. I need to be revived. And I want you to know that that is God's heart for you, is to revive you completely. And that's what I've been praying over Kim as well, that he will be revived. Every brain cell revived and rejuvenated. Every cell in his body brought up to optimum performance because the spirit of the Lord is well able to do that. So we want you to continue to pray for Kim, the whole team here, that an outpouring of the blessing of God continues to visit them until we have that awesome testimony. But I know that there's many of you that are watching this program right now that you need a touch. You need a touch from God right now. And I've come full of faith for you to to bless you and to nurture you with this word that God has given. You know, we are living in one of the most amazing times, even though I know that in the USA especially, there's a lot of tensions with the election and economy is wavering. And, you know, there's so many questions in people's minds. So it creates kind of a an atmosphere of confusion and chaos and heaviness. But Yeah, talk about atmospheres of confusion. I think that's what she's creating right now as she speaks. In that, God's kingdom is the same, and what he's doing worldwide is absolutely phenomenal. There is so much light penetrating the darkness. I mean, it is all over the world like a wildfire. Never before in all of church history has there been so many people saved. There are so many people saved today that that a lot of of, uh, missiologists would say that there's more 
Christians living in the earth today than there are in heaven because so many have been saved in this last generation. I have a friend that has seen over one, 100 or 1 million Muslims come to the Lord in a two-year period through his own ministry. A million Muslims. How's that not made the news? These are documented salvations, and that does not include... Yeah, I'd like to see the documents. ...who got saved through those ones that got saved and signed the card and gave the contact and were followed up on. I mean, this is an amazing hour that we are living in. Over in Cambodia right now, I just heard from our team about a week and a half ago, and they've been having daily visitations. The children, these are children that have been rescued out of darkness, that they have been having visitations with the Lord rising up into heaven and back down. Now, uh, over the course of our uh, <clears throat> time here at Fighting for the Faith, I mean, Patricia King has been somebody we've been reviewing really since the beginning of our program. Um, I've noted that she is quite the spinner of yarns, the teller of tall tales. And I think that's exactly what we're getting here. All these claims that without any ability to back any of it up, she just... Opens her mouth and out come these amazing claims of the miraculous and stuff like that. Yet if you were to try to track it down and actually get the documentation she claims is there, hmm, yeah, it, it just seems to evaporate, disappear, you know, the... The evidence trail becomes cold. Down again and, and uh, having Jesus speak to them, angels uh, visiting them. I mean, these are uh, exciting days that we are living in. I know also a friend of mine over in uh, India, and for those of you that are watching in India, this will get you excited because God is visiting your nation. Hundreds of thousands of people are coming to the Lord constantly, even though there's pressures politically in the land against the gospel, but God is prevailing because, because he is who he is, and his people are taking the word forward, and he is honoring it with miracle signs and wonders. But I want to share with you three tests testimonies revival testimonies okay three revival testimonies okay because i want to build your faith because in a little while i'm gonna lose some miracles over you i'm gonna release you're gonna lose some miracles really yeah, I don't think so. It's an impartation. I'm going to also dispatch an angel to you that will... Oh, she's going to dispatch... She can dispatch angels. Wow, I had no idea she had so much power. Help you come into the fullness of revival. The fullness of the refreshing that God has for you. And so uh, my friend was telling me this uh, story of a crusade that they were doing in, in India. And a woman came up on the platform and she couldn't see. She was blind. She wanted to see. The thing is, she had a white eyeball, but there was no iris and no pupil in either of her eyes, only the white eyeballs. She said, I want to see. And so they prayed for healing, and all of a sudden she could see perfectly. She could see everything in the room. Uh, she could see movement. She could see it all. But there was still no iris or no pupil in either of the eyes. It was a couple of days later she came back and, and spoke to the evangelist. And she had been walking all through the, the uh, marketplace. She was getting on buses and doing her, her daily affairs with eyeballs, with no iris and no pupil. But she could see perfectly. Yeah, what's her name? I'd like to uh, send a film crew out to India to uh, you know, to record this miracle for us all to see. Another uh, uh, situation in the same ministry, a man came up on the platform. He wanted to hear. He had an ear. 
hear, but on this side, he had no ear and he wanted to hear. There was no ear, just skin against his uh, head. They prayed for him. All of a sudden he could hear perfectly out of that side of his head where there was no ear. The girl could see with no eyes and the man could hear with no ears. Another one came forward. He had had his tongue removed because of cancer. And so they removed his tongue surgically and he couldn't speak. He could just make sounds in the back of his throat. They prayed for him to be able to speak and all of a sudden he could speak but still no tongue. So the person with no eyes was seeing, the person with no ear was hearing, and the man with no tongue was speaking. All right, we're going to pause right there in the middle of her yarn, if you would, and pay some bills. So if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break when we come back. A little bit more of Patricia King talking about spiritual healing, but not physical healing. We got Jennifer LeClaire as well as uh, Bill Winston. Stay tuned, don't want to miss him. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> no, oh, no, oh, a pirate's life for me. We pillage, we plunder, we rifle, we loot, drink up, be hearty, yo ho. We kidnap and ravage and don't give a hoot, bring up, be hearty, yo ho. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. We extort free. presents Church Day Select. And uh, greetings to the Wallace Tapley Show. I'm your host, Wallace Tapley, and my official title is the only mostly accurate prophet of the end times. Uh, some of my competitors call me the second and two tens weasel of the apocalypse, but I do my best to ignore their comments of hate and derision. I, I do have an update this week. Ah, uh, yes, uh, my direct revelations from God this week have told me something very, very special. It should be coming in right about now. This is a goodie. It reads, This blessing is for a certain person who's currently living in Italy and is the owner of a bistro. It says that you'll be receiving one million euros. Uh, Make that 500,000. 10,000. Five. Oh, um, yes. You're receiving five euros today. Heaven be praised. Oh, it seems that I'm getting another download. (laughs) 
I do believe that it's the result of next year's Super Bowl. Uh, this can turn out to be very profitable indeed. It says the winner of the next year's Super Bowl will be the Chicago Cubs. No, wait, that's not right. Uh, I mean the L.A. Lakers. No, that's not right either. I, I, I do apologize, folks. My computer suffers from Plato's tenfold error syndrome from time to time. Oh, here we go. It says handshake error. Well, that's all the time we have for today, folks. See you next time on the Wallace Tapley Show. Goodbye! This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think a lot of the tall tales told by many people in the charismatic movement are just that. They're not telling the truth. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions, in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. You can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute. Well, the amount that you specify. That's right. That It's not a particular amount. You get to actually 
choose your rank in our crew. And so when you click the join our crew button, you will see that you can choose your rank. The lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us, by the way. Of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota. Zip code 58208. Let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Let us return now to Patricia King as she's set the table. You know, these testimonies that she's sharing, stories um, of, you know, a person who has no um, plumbing in their eyeballs but can see. person who doesn't have an ear but can hear as if he does have an ear. Where is this heading? Hope you're sitting down. Here we go. How could this happen? My friend asked the Lord and the Lord spoke to me. He says, your spirit man, your spirit man, can usurp the natural? Uh, so the Lord said that to you, that the spirit man can usurp the natural? God told you that directly, really. And no matter how weak you are in your flesh, that you have a spirit that has eternal life in it, that can quicken your mortal body in any area that you are suffering in, in any area that you need strengthening in. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And God wants to turn our attention. He wants to turn our faith toward all that he can do. Some of you are about ready to get amazing miracles. My friend was saying, you know, af- after that happened, he, he thought, well, you know, if the spirit eyes, you know, if a spirit man's eyes can see and the spirit man's ears can hear and the spirit man's tongue can uh, speak, then he said, I'm going to start praying for people with no legs and no arms. Imagine what that would do if a person... <laughs> yeah, imagine what that would do. Somebody walking around with no legs... Uh, because their spirit man's doing the walking. I guarantee you that would turn heads, probably cause children to, to flee and scream, you know. person got up with no legs and started walking or picking up a cup. And with the, the, their, there was no arm, but their spirit man arm was usurping it. Yeah, this is clearly not found in scripture. I think that it's an hour that we need to dream big because yeah. when this hour- we need to dream big, we need to pray for people to walk around without legs so that you know because revival, you know, that's the reason why. Because revival. The pouring of the Spirit is coming, and it yeah. already is in the earth. But when it washes over you, there are going to be things happen in your life that your eye has not heard, your ear has not heard, and neither has it even entered into the heart of man yet. Right. So start dreaming big. Start believing God for, for great things. What are the needs that you have when we're praying for kids? Yeah, I, can I pay my bills with spirit money? I'm, you know, anyway, (laughs) because revival, you know, that means, you know, imagine, you know, somebody walking around without any physical legs because their spirit man has usurped the physical and the natural because, you know, that's what God told Patricia King. Right. And if you believe that, I have a bridge I'd like to sell you in uh, Brooklyn. Anyway. We're still under Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. Here is um, Jennifer LeClaire's recent appearance on TBN Salsa. Here we go. 
Thank you. Awesome, man. So So glad to have you. It's great to be here. Love TBN. Love what you guys are doing with salsa. I mean, this stuff is going big. I love it. You know, you, 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 uh, uh, we were talking in the back, and and you could just tell there's a prophetic voice on your life. You, I mean, you li- yeah. How would you know that? I mean, you know, every time I've reviewed Jennifer Leclaire, I mean, there's like no evidence that the Holy Spirit's had, involved at all in anything she says and does. I mean, she twists God's word. She says some pretty crazy, outlandish, bizarre things that none of it has anything to do with sound biblical doctrine or even what the Holy Spirit really is about. So why should I believe she's got some major prophetic uh, calling anointing thingy on her? I, what's that feel like, by the way? Light up when, when we talk about that and talk about to me what, what God has, has really been speaking to you about. Yeah, it, we're not going to go to the Bible. What has God been you know, speaking to you about uh, prophetess Jennifer LeClaire? And what's happening today? You know, I see a lot of doom and gloom mm. in prophetic ministry today and in the news headlines, for mm. that matter. Yeah, you know, this thing of Jim Baker. I mean, here it is, the 22nd of March, and um, so far the Great Tribulation has pretty much been a non-event. Now, now I understand there was uh, suicide bombings uh, that took place in Brussels today, and our, our prayers go out to the people of uh, Belgium. And uh, we also pray for our enemies, uh, those in ISIS and those who are opposed to Christ and uh, the preaching of the gospel and uh, and hate Christians and murder them and things like that. We pray for them as well because Scripture uh, tells us to. Um, but all of that being said, with the exception of the attack in Brussels, yeah, the Great Tribulation, pretty much a non-event. And I would even say, you know, the attack in Brussels wasn't nearly as ginormous as the attack in Paris uh, a few months back. So, you know, I, you know, great tribulation has really been, yeah, not so great. God is speaking to me about hope. Come on, man. You know, the Bible says, so God is speaking to Jennifer LeClaire about hope. Okay. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So if the enemy can come and rob our hope. Yeah. But what is the Christian's hope? The Christian's hope is eternal life, new heavens, new earth. You know, read the back of the book, uh, you know, in the book of Revelation, you know, last few chapters, you kind of get a really graphic picture of what our hope is. I mean, I got no hope for anything here. I mean, this is a cursed creation filled with seven billion sinners, and I'm one of them. Um, So, yeah, I got very little hope for this world um, under the current curse with a bunch of Sinners. You see what I'm saying? So what do you mean? He can steal our faith. And I'm believing God wow. for, yeah, I, that's wow. good. Say that again. If, if the enemy can come wow. and rob our hope, he can steal our faith. Wow. Yeah, um, but my hope has nothing to do with what's here now. That's why the enemy, through the media, is saturating us with bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. And that's why... Programs like this are so important because it's good news. It's the yeah, gospel. It's the gospel. Yeah, no, the gospel is Christ died for our sins and rose again uh, on the third day. Um, I'm not hearing any of that here. I believe that God is bringing a third great awakening. We're seeing the very. Oh, you believe God's bringing a third great. Here we go. More revival talk. I wonder if uh, people will be walking around uh, using their usurpation of their spirit person over their physical problems.
birthing of a great awakening even now mm. in America. Talk about that. Talk to me about that. Yeah. And I want to know about this awakening. Yeah, I, I love to talk about it. You know, the Holy Spirit woke me up after midnight in 2007. Now, mind you, this was before the Great Recession. This was before ISIS. This was before all of the things that we're seeing today. And he told me, I will bring a third great awakening Hallelujah. to America. Hallelujah. Uh, you sure that was the Holy Spirit rousing you up in the middle of the night? And he told me all of the things that we needed to repent for. He mm. told me about the covenant that he made with our founding fathers. Uh, God made a covenant with our founding fathers? Really? Was it on, on, Did he make that covenant on Mount Rushmore? Or where did he make that covenant with our founding fathers? We've turned our back on God as a nation in mm -hmm. many ways. There's a remnant here. Mm -hmm. But we've turned our back on God as a nation. But God hasn't turned his back on us. Wow. And that's the good news. That's yeah. the hope. No, no, no. The good news is that Christ died for our sins. We need to call people to repent and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Yeah. God is still the God of America. Yeah. He is moving in America. I'm seeing miracles, signs, wonders in America. There is evidence that God has not left us. He's still mm. here. And he's still moving with power, too. And, and, that, and, and I think... Yeah, you got some examples of that? Exactly right, because, you know, I have this kind of this, 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 this thing where if there's negative things about cops I, and I find something that's positive, I'll, I'll repost it and I'll say, hey... Media, why don't you talk about this? Because it's so true. They want us to see all the negative stuff, all the sin. But you know what people forget? The Bible says we're sin abounded. Grace abounded yes. even more. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And we talk about. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, can we get a context on that, please? Because I don't think it's in the context of the slide into oblivion by uh, the United States of America. You know, we talk about how the times are getting worse, but there is a grace movement going on right now. This awakening of the body of Christ that's saying, I'm still here. My favor is still on you. And, 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 and that's what's exciting about it. And I know you're involved. The grace movement and the favor is still on me. What? In this and talk to us about some of the things that you're doing in your ministry and some of the miracles that you're seeing. Yeah, just this past Sunday, I was in Pittsburgh. Mm. At a small church there, we met in a school. Mm. This woman had been paralyzed on the left side of her body from a stroke. Mm. And she said, I said, what do you need? We called for healing. I said, what do you need? She says, I need to walk. So I began to pray, you know, in the name of Jesus. Yeah. The miracle working power of Jesus touched this woman like she begins to lift, lift up her leg. Mm. I said, get up out of that wheelchair and walk. Yeah. She gets up that wheelchair with, you know, with some help, yeah. walks across back and forth, crying, weeping, sobbing. Um, yeah, if she was really healed, why did she need help? You know, when Jesus healed the paralytic, you know, told the guy to take up your mat and walk, he, he just sprang up. Um, why would she need help? I've seen people with fibromyalgia healed. I've seen ears open. Stage four terminal cancer healed. Yeah, but have you seen somebody walking around using their spirit man's legs, not, you know, not their physical legs? At Awakening House of Prayer by the power of God. It's God. It's not me. Yeah. It's God. And he is showing he's, he's alive. Jesus is alive in yeah. America. Yeah. And I believe that's what it's going to take, you know, this supernatural movement. I believe we're going to see, like, the voice of healing movement magnified mm. in this... The voice of healing movement? What is that? 
generation. Mm. God pouring out his spirit in such a great way that the babies lay hands on mm. sick people and mm. see them recover. That's the will of God. Mm. Mm. You're talking, you're going, <laughs> you, you, you're going history on us right yes, now. Huh? Yes, You're talking yeah, about. She ain't going biblical on us, that's for sure. John G. Lakes oh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the back in those days. Yeah. And do you do you believe that these people had more faith in us, or do you believe they just believed more? What, what made that awakening so great, and what's going to make this awakening even greater? I believe it boils down to. Well, you'll notice here, but you know there are people. I mean, like Jennifer Leclaire, you know, TBN Salsa, Patricia King, and others. Lou Engel, um, who are, and even um, Bethel Church in uh, Redding, California, they are actively creating the anticipation and expectation of major revival. Um, You know, it just makes you wonder, you know, they're preparing people for what exactly? Um, I think this is a form of like mass... Um, suggestion, mass manipulation of, of the charismatic movement. One word, and that is desperation. People in the first great move of God, the, the first great awakening, the second great awakening, uh, the common denominator, I'm not talking about moves of God like even Voice of Healing or the charismatic movement, wonderful stuff, the Jesus movement, wonderful mm-hmm. stuff. I'm talking about the great moves of God that, mm-hmm. that saw hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ. They were desperate. They were desperate. And before every great move of God, every great awakening, people were saying, it's too late, it's too much, there's no hope, it's not going to happen, no way, no how. And then God would show up My and God. pour out his spirit yeah. and things would turn around. And we're talking about not just a goosebump or, or some carpet time. That's great. I love that. <laughs> They're called ghost bumps. We learned that from uh, Perry Stone. Carpet time? <laughs> I don't think I've had carpet time since I was in kindergarten. <laughs> what on earth is this? We're talking about transforming revival, where the culture is changing. You were talking uh, with Jr. earlier, yeah. Apostle, about you know, the cultural architect. Yeah. We're talking about changing the culture so that the bars close down, yeah. the abortion clinics close down, uh, you know, the psychic right. shops yeah. close down. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Change- oh, yeah, there's going to be a mass revival, and the psychic shops are going to close down, and bars are going to close down. It's Yeah, this is what she's talking about. Um... Uh, yeah. Like I said, this is manipulation designed to create the anticipation and expectation. Makes you just wonder what is coming down the pike. It ain't, whatever it is that's coming down the pike is probably going to make the, the Todd Bentley Lakeland revival, you know, look amateur, which it was. Um, okay. In a city. Yes. You know, not just. I think in some sense, often we marginalize God to make him as only as big as the church. Well, God wants to move in the church. God wants to move in the church. God God wants to move in our nation. God wants to move in the world. God wants to move in our cities. And when you think about... Yeah, then why doesn't God just do it? If he wants to do these things, I mean, he'd just get right to it. You know, after all, he is God. Movements that impact, that have great impact, they change the city. That's right. They change the nation. And, and today, this prophetic movement that's, that's happening, what are you seeing? What, what, what do you feel in your heart like God's about to do? What, what does he need to do first? And then where is he leading us after that? 
You know, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Yeah. You know, the Bible says, "If my people who are called by my name." Mm. You know, we're seeing a lot of prayer go forth, and I think that is the foundation Absolutely. of this great awakening. And I'm encouraged by all the the burns, the prayer furnaces, whatever you want to call them, the apostolic centers, the king. The prayer furnaces. What's a prayer furnace? There's the revival mm-hmm. hubs. You know, there's all these different names, these different paradigms, yeah. but it, it's all birthed in prayer. prayer. And so I'm seeing God calling his church to prayer. I'm seeing God calling his church to Amen. repentance. Yes. And those two things right there will lay the foundation for the greatest great awakening we've ever seen. God has shown me that not only is there going to be a great awakening, but it's going to spill out over the borders of this nation on, into man. the nations of the earth. Yeah, come I mean, on. Yeah. 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 It's a good word. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's what God has shown her so you you better get on board with the prophetess jennifer leclaire you know because if you don't believe that's what god told her then well you're in sin because you're not believing the word of the lord in the mouth of the prophetess jennifer leclaire wow yeah um yeah we are in a lot of trouble that's the best way i can put it none of this is taught in scripture and these people are chasing after the latest and greatest supposed wave of the spirit that they can hop on and surf, you know, into the heavenly kingdom. Um, yeah, and all of this is pointing our direction away from Christ, the proclamation of the gospel, repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And yeah, I wow. Yeah, that's the best way I can put it. Moving along, we have a, um, a money-grubbing televangelist update, which requires us to do this. Give me shekels, give me pesos, let me see their smiling faces. Money, 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 money. Wanna get me a suit that's made out of loot and whistle the word and green. I got that monetary itis like speeches like King Midas. Want that golden touch is what I mean. Give me that old double eagle. Want that tender that is legal and financially substantially. Any sum I can and beagle. Want a living regal splendor for that loving legal tender. Money, 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 money. All right, now what we're going to be listening to in our money-grubbing televangelist segment here is uh, Bill Winston, Dr. Bill Winston, as he talks about the important message of, you know, possessing your mountain. Mm-hmm. And you can find this in your Bible nowhere. Yeah, nowhere at all. Here's Bill Winston to explain. Hello, I'm Bill Winston. Welcome to another program. The program that you're watching is called The Believer's Walk of Faith, where we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, as we continue this teaching on possessing your mountain, this is... Possessing your mountain. ...a part of our series of the power of love. Well, it's so important to understand that when we are in this place called our purpose, God puts us in one of the mountains, a mountain of... So when we're in this place called purpose, God puts us in a mountain. Right. Uh huh. Says no biblical text anywhere. Maybe uh, media or the mountain of the family, the mountain of government, the mountain of education, whatever mountain you're in. Yeah, this is a mountain of Shemitah, if you ask me. 
God's going to raise you up to the top. But remember, him raising you up in that mountain is not in your own ability. God doesn't need your ability. He needs... No, he doesn't need my ability. What does he need? Your availability. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he needs... He doesn't need my... He needs my availability, right. I didn't know God needed anything. Remember, now, as God raises us up, we get... Yeah, I seem to think the Apostle Paul wasn't available when God called him to be the Apostle Paul. No, he was quite busy um, you know, rounding up Christians. God changed him, flipped him right around. It was weird. It was He wasn't asking if Paul was available. <laughs> he just made him available, you know? Opportunities, and if we get greater opportunities, it comes with greater dependency on God. See, he- Oh, that sounds very pious. You got a biblical text for any of this stuff? It's us to depend on him for everything remember what including he, our purpose mountain thingy right said the battle is not yours it is god's so let's go right into the day's teaching it's called possessing your mountain right yeah do i get a title for my mountain once i possess it or would i be considered a squatter i'm a little confused about how this all works when i look at the church i said three things temptation Temptation, deception, and condemnation are the three things that Satan tries to operate in to keep us from being all that we're supposed to be. Um, be all that you can be. Um, that's a slogan from an old army commercial. Remember, be all that you can be. Yeah, that's not, that, that has nothing to do with Christian sanctification. If he couldn't keep you from being born again, his job now is to keep us from occupying. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what on earth? Okay, so um, so since I am born again, the devil's job is to keep me from being part of an occupation force. Got it. From advancing. Right. Until Jesus comes. And so... This idea of occupying, yeah, I want to talk about. Yeah, please do. We got to possess this land. Mm-hmm. I got to possess it. Mm-hmm. And possess means to control it. Okay, so I, I'm supposed to control this land. Okay. So now. I was reading uh, from a man's writing, and he was talking about cruise control. (laughs) He was, huh? Yeah. I find cruise control to be a fantastic thing when I'm on a long driving trip. Wow, you know, I love cruise control. And that when you put a car on cruise control, yeah. then you, you can take your foot off the accelerator. Yep. Yes, you can. And even if it's going down a hill, it will slow the car down to keep the car at the set 
number of miles per hour that the crew, cruise control has been set. That's how it works. Yeah, that's amazing technology there. We've had that for how many decades now? And that the enemy puts the church on cruise control. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, can I just ask the obvious question here? Um, okay. Let's just say that there's the church barreling down the highway, you know, possessing and all this kind of stuff that it's supposed to be doing. Um, and it's still moving forward, but the devil sneaks in and goes, Hey, check this out. I'm going to put you on cruise control. And we don't even pay attention to it. But you know what's still happening? We're still barreling down. I mean, cruise control does not work against your goal to get to wherever you're driving to. It's never actually worked against my goal to get there. In fact, it's gotten me there safely, a little bit more refreshed. It's um, it's a lot more enjoyable on a long car ride to have cruise control on. It's I love it. Just And, you know, never have I arrived at my destination and thought, you know... The devil totally messed me up there by having me put me on cruise control. Yeah, <laughs> so everybody there is going, oh, whoa, whoo. You know, thinking, this is profound. I'm thinking, there ain't nothing profound about this. I'm a big fan of cruise control. I don't see it as a device of the enemy. To keep the church from increase. <laughs> <laughs> So cruise control keeps you from increase. Okay, right. Exodus chapter 16. Let's look at that. Oh, yeah, let's do that. And over in Exodus chapter 16. Yeah. Exodus 16. That's that passage of the scripture that warns us against cruise control. I can't wait to hear it. Okay. This is when God's going to feed the people manna. I'm taking it slow because I want to cover some points here. And look what he said in verse 4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my ways, my law, or not. Now the things of God basically are laws. Um, no, we have the law and the gospel. And, yeah, the things of God are not just law. Uh, in fact, the purpose of the law is to show you your sin. You should read the book of Galatians. It pretty much spells this out, you know, very clearly. It teaches us how to properly distinguish between law and gospel. Two words, you know, primary words coming from the Lord there. And... The kingdom is made up of them. And that the things that God does and the way God does it is already set. So now what you and I have to do is learn God's laws. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you read <laughs> reading from Exodus about how God caused the manna to fall, and, you know, it was to test to see whether or not they would actually listen to the word of the Lord, right? 
and follow his instructions, um, basically believe him. And you, now you've extrapolated from that laws, but this was all spoken in the context of the evils of cruise control that's keeping us from experiencing increase. Mm-hmm. Yet notice here, there just really doesn't seem to be any lucid thread connecting any of these discombobulated, discon- you know, somewhat connected thoughts. But I mean, they're not connected by anything that's even like a central teaching here. Because the way you increase in God is through sowing. Oh, yeah. So the way I increase in God is through sowing. That means sending you a check. Gotcha. Are you with me? Yeah, no. No, not at all. Not even close. I'm far from you. Now, this is different from the world, because the world, they don't do it like this. And so what happens sometimes is people try to apply human logic to God's laws. And it doesn't fit. I'm I'm coming back to Exodus. Please, just leave your, your Bible right there. But in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8, and put that up there in the Amplified, please. But in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, this is a key scripture for me. In Colossians 2 and 8, he says, See to it that no man carries, no one carries you off as spoil and makes you yourselves captives by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit, idle fancies and plain nonsense. Following human tradition, men's Yeah, which is what this sermon is. ...is of the material rather than the spiritual world. Just crude nonsense, notions following the rudiments, rudimentary and elemental teaching of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ, the Messiah. Now, what are you saying? They're going by what they feel. They're going by what they think makes sense. But these things are antagonistic to the kingdom. And when that culture continues to flow into uh, darkness like this, there has to be some force that is strong enough to bring it back so that people can live. (laughs) What is he even saying? Was that a was I mean that was like the sentence blue sleeps faster than Tuesday. I have no clue what this guy's talking about. Because just violating laws will lead a person to death. It's not that he doesn't want folks to have fun. He wants them to have fun. But if you violate the laws in having fun. So what happened is the enemy set up his own law. So he would take it and say that in our culture, living together before you get married makes sense. Be- yeah, that's true how the world thinks. But again, what on earth does this have to do with having a purpose, possessing my mountain, uh, the evils of cruise control that keep you from increasing, apparently the way you increase is by understanding God's law, and the way you increase then is by sowing, i.e. sending a check to Bill Winston. And <laughs> ugh, I, this, I, wow. I mean, this is like take a whole bunch of different things all together, stick them into a blender, hit the word, you know, frappy, 
on it, you know, and then when you're done, just start scooping it out in, in its discombobulated form. It is like scrambled egg theology. So, yeah, I hopefully you, you all now understand the importance of possessing your mountain and, um, and you know, sowing the seeds so that you can increase while eschewing the, uh, the evils of cruise control. <laughs> and everybody there going, whoa, whoa. This, whoa, man, this man's, this man's preaching. No, no, he ain't. He's saying absolutely nothing. And that's the problem. And why is anybody still sitting there going, yeah, this is the best stuff ever? Because nothing he said actually made any biblical or even lucid sense. Hi. We're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, Elisa Bevere's sermon about being gritty. Uh, preached over a hill song. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. High Ridge Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. 
Yeah, um, I don't even think this is a sermon, but it occurred during sermon time, so we'll see. bad and the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon sermon, sermon comes to us via Hillsong. Uh, Lisa Bevere presiding. Apparently she's in town for one of their uh, women's conferences. I think the color conference. The name of the message is titled, How Gritty Are You? How Gritty Are You? My question is, um, do people go to hell if they're not gritty enough? How gritty do I need to be? Where is the biblical doctrine of grittiness taught? In clarity. By what standard do I measure my grittiness with? Is there a numerical scale? You know, things like that. I think you get the point. This should be interesting. Let me go ahead and back off on the music. And without any further ado, here's Lisa Bevere. And how gritty are you? Here we go. Sit down. Um, okay, I, you know, Sam was gentle. And, and Pastor Bobby would be gentle. But I'm not going to be gentle. I travel all the way from the U.S. to come to color. Even when I am not speaking, you can drive in your car and be present. And the reason is, it's an environment, it's an atmosphere for what God has put in your life to begin to flourish. And I travel and do women's conferences all over the globe, but there is no place like Color Your World. And I don't want you to get familiar with what God has given you here because it is so strategic. It is so beautiful. It is so honoring of the men. It is so honoring of the women. It is so honoring of what God wants to see on the earth today. So register and come. It won't be the same if you're not there. So we need you. Okay. So I'm going to be talking today about how gritty are you? Not grimy, gritty. I need to know how gritty you are. Yeah, why do you need to know this and how do we find out? I did a study in the United States of America and they determined there was one common denominator on whether people were able to rise above adversity or come under adversity. They found out that it was something called the grit factor. Right, the grit factor. Yeah. Um, you said it was a study done in the United States. This is an interpretation of the data of the study, not actually published in your Bible. I'm going to define the grit factor for you. It is a passion for long-term goals coupled with powerful motivation to achieve objectives. It is... Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, that's your definition. What's the biblical definition of it? 
the perseverance that overcomes obstacles or challenges that lie on or within an individual's path and serves as a driving force to achieve. Grit has been acknowledged as something real and a virtue since the time of Aristotle. It is the winning blend of tenacity, focus, diligence, consistency, hard work, the ability to stay on task, self-control, and perseverance. They actually have tests online where you can find out how gritty you are, but it really depends how truthful you are. I took the grit test last night. It is a scale from one to five. I only came up as a 3.9. So as a Christian, we should all be taking this grit test. Now, um, what do I need to score like minimally in order to prove that I'm being sanctified and transformed uh, by the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you why I didn't come up as a five, because I know some of you thought I might have. It's because I am really challenged on staying on task. I am so easily distracted. I have to sit in a corner and not see anything else. The other thing is I excel at procrastination. I have to have pressure. I have to know. You're doing a lot of preaching about you, Lisa. Um, Yeah, uh, this ain't helping nobody. I chose to know nothing among you except for Christ and him crucified, the Apostle Paul said. There's a deadline. I would never have written one single book if there was not a deadline. If they had said, oh, just whenever you feel about it, I'd still be pondering it. But people with grit factor do not have that challenge. But here's the great thing. Grit factor is not based on your talents, your education, your ability. Your flash or cash, your glamour, none of that is grit factor. It is your ability to stand and remain standing. Somebody's got their prayer thing going off. This is awesome. Okay, so one of the gritty people that we would all know in history is somebody named Winston Churchill. And this is what he said. He said, if you are going through hell, you just keep going. Gritty people do not camp. Gritty people do not settle. Gritty people say if they don't like the ending, this is not the end of the story. Gritty people understand that it is not about their history. It is about their destiny. And they know that. Yeah, I mean, that's nice and all. I mean, I feel like this is a motivational pep talk. Sermon? Yeah, no. Attacks on their life are not the result of their past. It's about what they might be in the future. So gritty people see attacks as encouragement. They say, okay, I am not going to settle. I look at my nation right now and I'm a little concerned. I am a little concerned. I want to cancel the elections for a lack of a good candidate. But you cannot deny that both Donald Trump and Hillary are gritty. And I don't know if we've got some good people that decided not to be gritty, but we need to be both gritty and godly. Not just gritty and not just godly. We need to be both gritty and godly because the earth needs people that are tenacious with love and truth and the word of God because grit actually closes the gap.
Right. Grit does. Yeah, that that's some amazing stuff, that grit stuff, that is. Yeah, wow. How do I get me some of that grit? And there are some gaps right now in our earth. Some gaping holes and contradictions in what a Christian is, what being a Christian looks like. Our earth right now is so confused by so many things that are being put out there. And I want to let you know there's two things that up your grit factor. One is worship and the other one is the word. Mm. So worship and the word up your grit factor. Which biblical text says that again? And as an Italian... I'm going to bring you into the book of Romans and I'm going to go in depth into what we kind of dance around in color because I believe we got the guys here. So we all need to be able to do this. Romans one verse 19 opens up with, but the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes. And there it is by taking a long and thoughtful look. Not a glance, not an Instagram like, not a Facebook like, but a long and thoughtful look at what God has created. People have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see. But is it we're missing? His eternal power. For instance... The mystery. Did she even read the text yet? Of his divine being, so that nobody has an excuse. We've all heard conversations, we've all entered into conversations where we're talking to people about God and they say, I don't believe God exists because what if I was on a deserted island and, you know, nobody ever talked to me about God, then would, would I just go to hell? No, I'm sorry. My Bible says, always. God has preached the unseen by what is seen. All right. I think she's actually in Romans 1, 19. Let me start at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Yeah, this section of scripture in Romans, uh, Paul is beginning to explain the predicament that we find ourselves in, that because we have not loved God um, and suppressed the truth and unrighteousness, God has turned us over to all kinds of nastiness. Um, so I'm not sure what she's talking about. And that if people are willing to take a long, intentional, thoughtful gaze, not a glance, 
gaze. If they are willing to behold what they see, they cannot miss that there is something more that they have yet not seen. And I don't know about you, but I am hungry for something more than what I have seen. There is something inside of my heart that longs for the eternal power. Yeah, that that's great and all, but that's not the point that Paul's making. And he's not even talking about grittiness here. It's on in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, because I look around and I'm like, God, have you exited the planet? This is crazy right now. It's chaos. It's ma'am. It's a nightmare. It's scary. And God's like, no, no, I, I'm, I'm not exited, but I'm going to tell you what's going on. Romans 1.21 says what happened was this. People knew God perfectly well. But when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him. They trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. I have never seen a generation of more well-educated fools. And I'm not being mean, but my Bible... Yeah, except for that you're like totally ignoring what this passage is really about. Weird. Says the fool says there is no God. We are smart. We are well-educated. And we are illiterate regarding life. The very base things, the respect, the love, the honor, the faith, the things that should be foundational in our lives is missing because we are not worshiping God for who he is. Oh, there's people that will acknowledge God, but worship means you bow your knee. Worship means you submit to him as Lord. Worship means that his word and his ways is the final answer. Worship doesn't mean... Yeah, notice the solution apparently to the sin problem that Paul's describing in Romans 1 is, well, obedience and worship uh, rather than repentance and being forgiven and then bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, which is not Paul's argument. Um, Paul begins an argument there in Romans 1 and continues that argument, but what she's doing here, I this is, wow, bizarre that we change God into our own image and our own likeness according to the way we feel about things. Worship means he alone is holy. He alone is God. He alone is the Lord most high. That's what worship means. It says they traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. Now, this is, of course, talking about making idols. And so we, we're like, nobody's doing that today. Well, let me define an idol for you in a way you can understand it. An idol is what I give my strength to and what I draw my strength from. For some of us, that idol might be what other people say about us. For some of us, the idol might be social media. For them, some of us, that idol might even be our family. We're so 
wanting approval from friends or other things that we forget that we are worshiping something that is in the image of creation instead of the creator. So God said, in effect, if that is what you want, that's what you get. It wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen. Yeah, even her definition of idol is not exactly correct. I mean, it's not totally awful, but... Smeared with filth, filthy inside and out. And all of this because they traded the true God for a fake God. And they worshipped the God they made instead of the God who made them. The God we bless. The God who blesses us. Oh, yes. It goes on to say, worse followed, refusing to know God. They soon didn't know how to be human either. Women didn't know how to be women. And men didn't know how to be men. It's not exactly what it's saying there. It's that they exchanged natural relations and men were burning with passion for other men and women for other women. Let's see if she's going to handle this right. In my country, instead of bowing the knee and trying to find our true north, we're encouraging people to self-identify. We're saying, you know, if, if you're not sure how to be a woman, maybe you should just be a man. If you're not sure how to be a man, maybe it's because you should just be a woman. It's almost like we're watching this experiment going on and a lot of the young people who are preteens and they're 13 years of age are saying, well, I just, I just feel uncomfortable. I, I need to ask who, who felt comfortable at 13? I certainly didn't feel comfortable with my gender, my self. There was nothing comfortable about 13. When I was transitioning from a little girl to a woman, and it seemed like all of my friends had made that transition and I still had not grown breasts. I was like, I, I don't know what to think about this. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And so we were confused. But when we're confused and we're transitioning, that's not when we make decisions to self-identify. That's actually when we need to identify with God more than any other time of our life. Because everything is in transition. Everything feels uncomfortable. Everything feels awkward. But everybody's so... Yeah, note the fact that Paul here in this text is actually describing the impact and effect of sin. And although she's correctly identified this has something to do with gender identity today, that's really not the point. And when you're a teenager, because they're feeling the exact same way. You know, the more that I press into God, the more he reveals me. The more we acknowledge his divinity, the more he reveals us as human. What does that even mean? What's the cash value of that sentence? Said they forgot how to be human. And I'm going to tell you something. An attack on gender is an attack on the image of God. Because God created us in his image, male and female. In all of its complexities and all of... Yeah, this isn't exactly about self-identifying as, you know, guy or girl or anything like that. This is about 
Well, let me read the text. I mean, this is bizarre. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is forever blessed. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Um, Yeah, so she's not even handling this text correctly, and the way she's doing it is is like it's a smokescreen. doesn't make any sense at all. We continue. It's as if she has no grit to actually preach the truth of what this text is saying. But then again, she is at Hillsong, you know. Vulnerabilities, he understood male and female would both have struggles. But the answer is not in blending the genders. The answer is in seeking our creator who did not make a mistake when he made us. But he created some God gaps in our life that we can never fix on the outside. He created God gaps in our life. Right. We can only fix on the inside. Goes on to say sexually confused. They abused and defiled one another. Women with women, men with men. All lust, no love. And then they paid for it. Oh, how they paid for it. Emptied of God and love, godless and loveless wretches. Notice it isn't God that makes us pay. When we build a life with untempered mortar, when we go to unfaithful streams, when we go to... You did catch the part about God turned them over to... Yeah, this... Yeah, (laughs) the reason why they're thinking became futile is because God turned them over to their own lusts. Thing that can never heal us. It's costly. You spend all of it and you still are empty. And when those walls come crashing down, God isn't going to say, see, I told you not to do that. He's watching and waiting for a prodigal generation who has found themselves in a pig pen and say, I, I remember what it was like in my father's house. And they begin to turn and he sees them on the horizon and he is running. Yeah, you're describing repentance. That's what that is all about in that parable. Yeah, but it's it's one parable with three chapters. Um, the parable of the uh, well, chapter one, the um, lost sheep, chapter two, the lost coin, chapter through three, the of uh, the prodigal. Yeah, I mean, yes, you're describing repentance, but that comes through the preaching of the gospel and the preaching of the law. The law to convict people of their sin, the gospel to comfort them with the assurance of the forgiveness of sins. The two work hand in hand, and the Holy Spirit uses both uh, to convict of sins and then to regenerate through the preaching of the gospel. But you're basically proposing as the solution to their problem 
their sin problem, grittiness, and them doing something. Mm-hmm. Towards us and saying, I got something different for you. Romans one twenty eight said, since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. My nation right now is running loose. They're running amok. And why am I telling you all this stuff? You're like, well, we're not Americans. Thank God. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you this. Because what happens here is global. Your generosity, your honor, your worship, your leadership, what happens here begins to go into all of the earth. And this isn't just an American problem. This is a global issue. And the world watches you guys. And you guys are such beautiful examples of so many things. But I know that you're like me. You have something more inside of you than what you've seen. You know, you know there is something more. Romans 1 continues and says it's not as if they didn't know better. My nation knows better. They know perfectly well they're spitting on God's face and they don't care. Worse, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things best. That is the condition of the world that God decided to plant us in. But we're kingdom people. We're ambassadors of heaven walking in a dark world that is watching and waiting for us to bring light and hope. Not Yeah, that would require you to actually preach Christ and him crucified for our sins. Judgment, not meanness. They're already paying. They're already finding out it didn't heal something. Romans 2 begins to talk to us. It says those people are in a dark spiral downward. But if you think that leaves you on high ground where you can point your finger at others, think again. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors. But God isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through all such smoke screens and holds you to what you've done. When we know more, we should do more. You didn't think, did you, that just by pointing your finger at others, you would distract God from seeing all your misdoings and from coming down on you hard? Or did you think that because he is such a nice God, he'd let you off the hook? Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he is not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. I did not become a Christian until I was 20. Was she reading from a translate? What was she reading? Maybe it's like the message or something. What was that? One years of age. And when I got saved, God took me firmly by the hand. My husband, John Bevere, is the one who witnessed to me on our first date. He didn't preach about a mild life change. He preached lordship to me. And I needed that because I didn't need a little minor course adjustment. 
I needed a 180 degree course adjustment. I had a crazy family. I had a grandfather that was part of the Manhattan Project. He was one of the developers of the atom bomb. I came from a generation of serial adulterers and alcoholics. Crazy, crazy people. People that didn't know how to do marriage. People that didn't know how to do life. People that were well-educated and illiterate. So when I got saved, I was all in. It was a radical life change. I spent all of that first night looking for the book of Paul. Because John had said, Paul said this and Paul said that. And I was like, where's the book of Paul? I just had to have a radical life change. I had a little way Bible in my college dormitory. I stood on the spine. I was like, God, I can't find the book of Paul. And it opened up to Corinthians. And it said, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, not a glance, but to be held. Behold, the old has passed away and all becomes new. John told me I could take the word of God. And I could read it out loud and that it would facet my life and that it would change my heart, that it would reset everything that was wrong in my life. But I was in college. I was 21 years of age. I was in a sorority and reading my Bible out loud was not really an option when like all the people could hear everything. So you know what I did? I climbed up onto the roof of my sorority house and I opened up my Bible and I read it. Out loud, out loud, I released the word of God into the environment, into the atmosphere surrounded. You released the God and the, 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 the word of God into the atmosphere. Huh? Mountains in Arizona. I believe they could move. I could, I believed everything about it. I declared it. I, 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 yeah. Who's she preaching about? She ain't preaching about Jesus. God, I spoke it over my life. I found things I had never seen before. And then at night, when my sorority sisters were sleeping, I did scary things. I walked up and down the halls with my hands out where I could touch either side of the hallway. And I prayed in the spirit. I believed for the salvation of my sorority sisters. I knew how empty their lives were. I wasn't even sure what I was supposed to say to them. I'd only been saved for three weeks when I went back to college. But I prayed in the spirit. And I'm going to tell you something. Things began to shift. Things began to. Yeah, there's a lot of shifting that goes on in you know, kind of charismatic circles. They're constantly talking about shifting. But everything pretty much stays the same. It's the weird thing, you know. Change. But when you have a radical life transformation, that makes people that haven't necessarily had a radical life transformation uncomfortable. Not the heathens. The slightly course-corrected Christians were the ones that were upset with me. They would come to my room and say, hey, you need to tone this down. I'd be like, what are you talking about? They're like, you're, um, you're like getting freshmen saved. And we, we, don't, we don't know that you're allowed to do that. And you just need to tone it down. It needs to be a quiet thing. It needs to be a small. I'd be like, wait a minute. You're a Christian? And they'd be like, yeah, I, yeah I, I've been a Christian all my life. I'm like, wait, a, wait. You used to come into my room on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon if they went to church first. 
and asked me to unpack my escapades for you. You laughed about me getting drunk. You laughed about me sleeping with guys. You laughed about the brokenness that was in my life. And you never told me about Jesus. You're a Christian. How come you didn't ever tell me about God? Well, you know, if you're predestined for it, maybe you'll find it. No, I was desperate. I was desperate and they were quiet. Then I remember the young girls knocking on my doors late at night and saying, hey, we heard you used to be wild. We heard you used to be like a hoe and now you're like an on fire Christian. I did everything I thought would fill this hole in my life and I'm bleeding and I'm empty and it's gaping. And I would be like, you need to sit on the floor right now and close your eyes. Why? Because I had a, I had a trap from Campus Crusade hidden on the shelf and I would open it up and I would put it underneath my, my leg so I could read the entire track to them. I'd have them repeat it out loud. And then I'd ask them to ask the Holy Spirit to fill them. And I remember the presence of God would come into that house and it was so tangible and it was so amazing. But you know what? That wasn't what everybody saw. What everybody saw was not a perfect person because none of us are perfect. God is actually perfecting us. But here was the difference. You know, you're always in, living in close proximity with, with girls. Guys don't understand this, but maybe if, if you have daughters, you might. But anyway, living in close proximity with females can sometimes bring out the best or the worst. And I remember one breakfast, there was always this one girl that would come in all perky and we'd all been pulling all nighters studying for our finals. And yes, we looked like we'd been run over, but nobody needed to say that to us. And she began to say, look at all of you guys, man, you look like you've all been run over by cars. And, and I just reverted back to my not radical life change. I had been saved for like six weeks. And I said, Kelly, why are you always such a, and then I dropped the B word and she was like, oh, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were a Christian. You're not a Christian. And she stormed out and everybody looked at me at the table and they said, we were just about ready to say the exact same thing. And I said, but of course I would just jump the gun and say it for everybody. <laughs> but you know what I did? I apologized. You know what? They're not looking for our perfection. They're looking for our humility. They want to know that we are leaning on God. They don't expect us to be perfect, but they do expect us to be growing. And I said, I, I should not have said that to her. That was completely out of line. I apologized to her. And I remember later one of my sorority sisters saying, that's when I knew you had actually become a Christian. Because you would never have apologized before. We need to humble ourselves. If there's been a gap, we need to close it. It goes on to say... Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? In Romans 2, 5 through 8, you're not getting by with anything. Every refusal and avoidance of God adds fuel to the fire. The day is coming when it is going to blaze hot and high... God's fiery and righteous judgment. Make no mistake, in the end, you get what's coming to you. Real life. Oh, wow.
she's not going to end on the gospel. Isn't this? This is just law and judgment. That because that's what that part of scripture is about. It's about well reducing us down to nothing and stripping us of all vestiges of self righteousness, so that we can understand our dire need for a savior. For those who work on God's side. But to those who insist on getting their own way and take the path of least resistance, fire. I want real life. I want eternal life. I want to grow in grace and grit. I want my life to be evident. I don't want to preach messages. I want to be a message of somebody that used to be this way and is now. This way. I don't want to preach messages. I want to be a message. We're called to preach the gospel. We are not the message. Christ's death and resurrection is the message. And that requires us to preach it, to proclaim it, to teach it. Yep, she's 180 degrees backwards on this. Because your life change is not the gospel and cannot save anyone. I don't want to make excuses and just say the grace of God. I want the grace of God to be what changes me to be gritty. Mm -hmm. You want it to change you to be gritty. And why should we expect the Bible or God's word or the gospel to change us into gritty people? Goes on to say, if you go against the grain, you get splinters, regardless of what neighborhood you're from. Uh, yeah, I have no idea what translation says that. What your parents taught you, what schools you attended. It is not about where you are from. It is about where you are going. It is not about the family you used to belong to. It is about the family you now belong to. You are no longer citizens of a neighborhood. You are citizens of heaven. And we need to move from what our past is and what we've heard. Because the truth is, we all have the word of God. And we can press into it and allow it to be transformed. It says, but if you embrace the way God does things. There are wonderful payoffs. Again, without regard to where you are from or how you were brought up. I am so thankful for that. Because I have no righteous lineage. I had nothing to bring to the table. Being a Jew won't give you an automatic stamp of approval. God pays no attention to what others say or what you think about you. He makes up his own mind. If you sin without knowing what you're doing, God takes that into account. But if you sin knowing full well what you are doing, that's a different story entirely. Merely hearing God's law is a waste of your time if you don't do what it commands. Doing, not hearing, is what makes the difference with God. I want to be really clear. I'm not talking about salvation here. The cross... Yeah, that's weird because Paul is... ...determines... Where we spend eternity. But our choices now. Determine. How. What that looks like. How much of heaven is actually able to invade. This earth. Our flesh. The word of God fleshed out in our lives. I. Yeah. How are you getting that from this text? This text doesn't say that at all. Want to see more. Of God's eternal power. I got saved in the 80s. It was an incredibly awkward time. People had to fall down 
in the spirit. And if you didn't actually fall down, you, you had to take a knee because you did not want to be that one person that was resisting the spirit of God. There was a lot of uh, what at time. There was a lot of crying. There was a lot of shaking. There was laughter that was awkward. If you had like small children and you didn't really feel like anything was funny, there was just this moment, but everybody wanted the presence of God and You know, maybe some of us just needed to be laid out on the carpet. But the outpouring of God's spirit in these last days is not laying people down on the carpet. It's standing them up on their feet. It's an outpouring of courage and strength and boldness. Ah, This is ridiculous. That we would have radical life change. And there would be no conflict between what we say and how we live. I want more evidence of the eternal power of God, which means I'm going to allow worship and the word to weave more metal into my life so that I will not waver, but I will stand that I will be a generation of the older people with the younger people, with the men and the women who stand on the face of the earth and release the words of heaven. Uh, What are you talking about? What is this? Wants to pour out his spirit. I'm not talking to you about salvation. I'm talking to you about sanctification. God wants some sacred space in our... Yeah, but this text... You know, Romans 1, 2, and 3 um, is actually talking about salvation. Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 9. What then, are we Jews any better off? Well, no, not at all. We've already charged that all. Both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law... No human being will be justified. That means to be declared righteous in God's sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets, they bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Well, yes, of the Gentiles also, since God is one 
who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold it. Yeah, you see, this text is about, not about sanctification. Up to this point, sanctification isn't even mentioned until like this passage right here, verse 31 of chapter 3. Then you start to get a hint of it. But this text is about justification. So she's changed it, and now she says she's talking She's talking about sanctification and grittiness. But, I mean, I haven't heard anything here that's supposed to help me get gritty. I don't know what she's talking about, because this is all law and not law and gospel. He wants to anoint us because the areas where we have sympathy to the world, I'm not talking about compassion. I'm talking about connection are areas that we will not have authority in the spirit. God is looking for people who will not become familiar with what is holy, will not treat what is sacred as familiar. Where in the Bible does it say that exactly? That God's looking for people who will not treat the holy as familiar. I'm not familiar with that text. It's definitely not in Romans 1, 2, or 3. And I believe that you are an example of that, that you are rising on the face of the earth, declaring a God who is holy, 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 a God who was holy, a God who is holy and a God who will always be holy by being a holy people, a people set apart for their God. Doing, not hearing closes the grit gap. So I want to pray over you. Law, 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 law. No repent, no forgiveness, no. And I mean, just you know, you you haven't been gritty enough. You need to become gritty enough. So start doing, because that's what you need to do in order to become gritty enough. Uh huh. Because as a grandmother, I want a different end to this story than what I am seeing right now. So can we all stand up right now? Yeah, done. Sorry, Lisa. I'm not gonna allow you to pray for me. Wow, that was discombobulated and bizarre. Um, I'm not sure if she was in the message paraphrase or not. And even when she was reading from it, I mean, she left off like before the climax of Paul's argument, which has to do with the gospel, which I concluded for us there in uh, Romans 3. Strange that she would leave off on law rather than gospel, as if somehow that's a good thing, because, you know, I don't want to be just uh, here. I got to get out and do, 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 do. Yeah, but you're confusing the categories of law and gospel by thinking that way and then ending on the law the way you did. Wow. What a mess. What did you think? Love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith. You can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Fire Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, by Carrie's death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.